It is Monday, October 2nd. I'm Scott Seidenberg. And I'm AJ Hoffman. The NFL, Taylor's version. <laughs> and Bills beat the Dolphins, but it comes at a price. Here comes the Vegas truth. This is straight out of Vegas. We are straight out of Vegas AM, your daily destination for sports conversation with a Vegas lean. Here's what you need to know to start your day. Chiefs beat the Jets, but Zach Wilson may be given a glimmer of hope. Bills beat the Dolphins in one of the early candidates for game of the year. And Christian McCaffrey who might be the MVP of the league. Scott, what is the Vegas lead? Well, Sunday night football fresh in our minds from last night. So let's kick things off with the Chiefs beating the Jets in what I can only describe as <laughs> going by the script. You like every time you talk like this, I picture Twilight Zone music playing and like Oh, I got my tinfoil hat on. Yeah, this is I mean it's always the script. Listen, it's time I for was, the NFL to break out the script. You I did say half, in advance this I, I was, was a script night. I told RJ on the Dream Pod, I was half joking but half serious. I said, R, is there any concern, RJ, that the NFL wants this game to be competitive because Taylor Swift's going to be in attendance and it's going to be the most watched game of the week. It's primetime NBC, Sunday night football. They can't have a snooze fest, right? No. And he was like, eh, well, it's a joke, whatever. Uh, also, uh, my Mahomes impression, like, spot on. Got good reception from my, good. my Mahomes stuff. Anyway, the Jets battle with the Chiefs after falling behind 17-0 early. Zach Wilson has arguably his best game as the Jets quarterback. 28 of 39 passing, 245 yards, two touchdowns. He leads New York all the way back. The game is tied at 20 going into the fourth quarter. The Chiefs are up by three. The Jets have the football, and Zach Wilson fumbles a snap. Mm. But it's okay. There's like seven and a half minutes left in the game. Surely the Jets are going to get the ball back. No. No. Four-minute drill. Well, it was the seven-minute drill for the Kansas City Chiefs, and Patrick Mahomes did throw another interception, but a mysterious... Defensive holding call. Oh, Lord. I didn't know. I should have known we were going to get this. Extends the drive for the Kansas City Chiefs. Here was Jets head coach Robert Sala on what essentially won the game for the Kansas City Chiefs. Of the, the holding call on Sauce Gardner. Uh, I'm not going to comment on that. I already. Is that what you were upset about when you got called for the yeah. penalty? Well, Sala doesn't want to get fined. That's the thing. And he might get fined for his tirade on the field. At the end of the game, which he got the 15, you know, he got the unsportsmanlike conduct penalty for, for yelling at the ref. Now, here's the question. Did he, in his postgame presser, did he address the made-up safety that they got gifted uh, mm. when a face mask started on the two-yard line and they said it started in the end zone? Or did he mention the uh, imaginary horse collar tackle that was certainly not a horse collar tackle and kept a drive going? Did he mention those things? Were those unfortunate or did that, he forgot about that? Boy, it's. Sure sounds like someone's buying into the script. (laughs) 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 Yes. And, of course, Mahomes did have a chance to uh, put this game well within cover range for the Kansas City Chiefs. Oh, he pissed off a lot of games. scrambling on a third down or, or, yeah, it was a third down down play. 
He rushes and slides down at the two-yard line. Smart play. The game was over. No need to go into the end zone. No need to give the Jets the ball back. No need to put your defense back on the field for unnecessary plays. It's it's he doesn't People were care. questioning it. He doesn't care about the spread. He's they the covered, best. They covered the teaser. He's the best matters. quarterback in the world. He knows what he's doing. He knows what he's doing. There's no reason to go in there, unlike uh, maybe like a, uh, a Chargers defender who gets an interception. Oh, we'll get but to we, that yeah, later. We can, talk, we can talk about that in a, in a couple of minutes. But no reason for Mahomes to go into the end zone there. The game was already over the posted total at 43. It hit. But the Chiefs do not cover. The Jets do cover. And the Chiefs cover the teaser if you push down below the seven and the three. Well, let's talk about this aspect of things, Scott. As a Jets fan, this had to be like the first. It might be the first game you've ever watched where you left feeling not disgusted about Zach Wilson. No, it, and it's a shame. It's like I tweeted something out earlier in the day. I thought it was hilarious. I didn't get, I didn't get the reaction that I thought I would get, though. I said um, Sunday football is just better. When you know your team won't upset you until later tonight. <laughs> so, so I got to enjoy the entire day without being upset. And then you go into the game last night with no expectations because you're taking on the Kansas City Chiefs. And then all of a sudden the Jets do what the Jets do. And they raise your expectation level because Zach Wilson played great. The team played, the defense played great. I mean, Mahomes was throwing some balls. I had no... He was playing into the script, the, 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 the balls that he, he was, was terrible for interceptions. Uh, but then Zach Wilson fumbles the snap, and they don't get the ball back with seven and a half minutes left. Seven and a half minutes, all three timeouts, the two-minute warning. They didn't get the football back. Never saw it again. Think about that. Yeah. That's unbelievable. Yeah, and the penalty hurt, but, it, I mean, it's – it wasn't just a penalty. It was a really smart drive by yes, Patrick Mahomes. Had, and they had look this, the 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 Kelsey play where he lines up a quarterback and hands the ball off. Like, and how about they're good? They're how good. about <laughs> how about stop the run? Yes, you know, like you did it all game, and then stop the run there. Yeah, but they raised expectations. I wasn't disgusted, but I still was upset after the game was over because I thought that, you know, I I, I didn't go into the game thinking the Jets were going to win, but when it was twenty three twenty and the Jets had the football, I said, holy shit. Jets might win this game. Well, that's what Zach Wilson said. Zach Wilson said, <laughs> if we got the ball back, we were going to go win. Yeah. And it, Zach Wilson also said, this wasn't on the defense. This was my fault. I fumbled that ball. This was my fault. Which is ironic because I've literally never heard him say, I blew this game before. And yeah. now all of a sudden, and you know what? in a game that he played well, he's like, I and blew he, it. He was visibly upset on, on the sidelines. And you can even read his lips. The camera caught him saying, it's on me. And then the, the players were, like, con, con, you know, consoling him, like, hey, man. And I can only imagine that they were all telling him that he played his ass off and, you know, pat, smacking him on the shoulder pads. But then, like, he was saying, it's on me, it's on me. Like, he feels like he let the team down. I'll tell you what, though. You know, Robert Sala can complain about all the penalties and all that stuff he wants. But he chose to go for a 53-yard field goal on their what almost what should have been their final possession of the first half. Instead of a fourth and one, you have you're down twenty to twelve. Your defense is playing great. Your offense is playing great. Give yourself a chance to go down and get a touchdown, or at the worst case scenario, kick a closer field goal. I mean, if you don't get it there, no one's gonna blame you. There's no one. There's no one watching football that's gonna say, Robert Sala, what a moron for kick for for going for it on fourth down. Brandon Staley goes for it on his own twenty yard line. I mean, imagine if they'd paid big money for a free agent running back this offseason yeah. or something that they could have handled. Oh wait, they did do that. Did you hear what Trico said when that play happened? He's like. 
Fourth and one, not much of a choice here with 30 seconds to go and, you know, the opportunity to close out the half. Oh, I guess they're going for a field goal. No, I guess no. it's a whole new option yeah. I hadn't even considered. That, I thought it was such a loser mentality kicking that field goal. It was almost like Robert Sala was thinking, we're lucky to be here and I'm not going to take any more chances. Imagine the headlines were only down five at the half. Yeah, but instead, I mean, they got lucky that they got the turnover and they got the football back and nothing came of it, but... Imagine how much worse the game would have been if Kansas City goes down and kicks a field goal at the yeah. end of the half. And then instead of 20 to 12, it's 23 to 12. Like, who knows how that game plays out? But I thought that, that was right. I thought right there, it was a bad coaching decision. And then the team fought back and made up for it. Well, the Chiefs now, after losing their opener, have won three straight. They go to Minnesota. Uh, next week for their fifth game, trying to make it four and one. Mac, what do we have the odds at uh, on Kansas City at the Vikings? The now, uh, now with a win, Minnesota Vikings, new and improved Minnesota Vikings. Uh, while I'm pulling that up, I did check Ben Baldwin's fourth down bot, and they said it was actually a pretty even split. Although mentality wise, I'm not. So I think sure. mentality yeah, it's wise, it's early, not even a question. It's still early in the game, so it's not going to impact the win loss that much. So right. It's the end of the yeah. first half. But also, but I think for, to put confidence in your team. To show everyone that you're playing with an aggressive style, that's the reason why. To not why give the ball back to Mahomes. Exactly. You're a nine-point dog or eight, whatever. I guess it's right. sharp money there came in on the Jets, I guess. But you're a big dog. You take chances. You're, like, you're not going to beat the Chiefs more often than not in a straight-up gunfight. Right. Like, you've got to find the edges. So Chiefs are six and a half at Minnesota. And then, Scott, I, I don't want you to be too worried. Mm-hmm. But next week is the game that's circled on the calendar. Yes. I'd feel a lot better about this game if Aaron Rodgers was the quarterback because, I, as I said preseason, that this was the game where Aaron Rodgers was going to throw for, like, five touchdowns. You don't like the Nathaniel Hackett by, by himself revenge game? That's not no, enough of no. a factor? Because Aaron Rodgers, much better as a team. Because Aaron Rodgers was the one who said, keep my wife's <laughs> name out. You know, he said, keep my coach's name out your mouth. He did. And so I figured this is gonna Aaron Rodgers is going to throw for five touchdowns in this game. But I, I, I don't know. I mean, Jets are... They're one and three after. Remember, I said if they can just get out of this schedule two and two, it'll be okay. I I'd feel a lot differently about the Jets if they would have beaten the Patriots last week and then still lost this game. Because then you'd be sitting here at two and two. You feel decent about the team now at one and three. It, it's a it's an it's a it was always going to be an uphill climb climb. Now it's a uphill hike with no harness. Well, the Jets have been upgraded for the next week's game. They're now plus two and a half. Look headline. Was Broncos minus three at home? Now it's less than a field goal. What do you think about your team here? I think if they play like they did last night, they have a chance to win because the Broncos suck. Oh, the, gr- the great thing is one of these teams has to win. Yeah, or they could just tie. But there was nothing about that Broncos-Bears game that told me anything about both of those teams other than they both suck. Fair enough. Yeah, I, I will say that it does seem that the Jets' defense – kind of plays up to competition. Like, mm-hmm. their two best games they've played this year against Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes. Yeah. Well, they played really – they played great against the Patriots. I mean, the Patriots think also, but they played great against the Patriots. They, the difference in that game was one blown coverage that led to the long touchdown Point. for the tight end. That's it. One play, which also happened in this game last night, where uh, – oh, was it Whitehead? Somebody missed the coverage that allowed Noah Gray – yeah. to get open. It was almost the same play that the Patriots scored their touchdown on, and maybe Andy Reid saw that, and maybe Andy Reid said, I'm going to throw this kind of same look with the tight end leaking out here because it looked identical. 
Well, the, the good news for the Jets is when they go to Denver, after you've played Buffalo, Dallas, New England, and Kansas City, you're going to see a lot weaker defense okay. uh, than you've seen so far through sure. four games. Sure. I mean, that's four of the better defenses in the league. Uh, the Broncos fighting really hard with those Bears to be the worst defense in the league. I, I, don't, I honestly don't know who is the worst defense in the league. It's got I mean, it's got to be one of those two, but it's – it, it, I, I'll, I'm open to any other suggestions. Like, how much of the Broncos giving up 100 points in 100 minutes is them, like, quitting? Like, I don't think that's just, like, a normal, like, our defense isn't as good as we thought. It seemed like a different – and they turned it around in the second half, but yeah, let's, let's something's talk, going on there. Let's get into that Broncos-Bears game as we go through the rest of the Sunday week four schedule of the NFL. And, and this was a game where the Bears had a 21-7 to lead going into the third quarter. And Justin Fields, you could have you could argue, actually you can't argue. This was his best game passing. Yeah, as an was, NFL quarterback. This was a very I mean, he was like 20 for 20 to start out the game. He, in the first half, I tweeted this out. This was amazing. The last time the Broncos defense forced a first half incompletion was in week 2. Jeez. <laughs> oh, Tua was 16 of 16 for 206 yards and two touchdowns in the first half last week. Right. And Fields was 12 of 12 for 185 yards and three touchdowns in the first half this week. I actually think it was 12 of 13 because they threw that. They threw that Hail Mary, the Hail Mary at the end. end, but we you cannot count that. Uh, yeah. but think about that. Like, that's what he did in the first half. <laughs> it was amazing last uh, yesterday. And I think that this Bears team, which looked great, Justin Fields looked great, but then defensively, they, they're trash. First team ever to give up 25 points in 14 straight games. 14 wow. Straight, almost a season, people scoring 30 on you. It's amazing. It's, it's, it, it, Matt Eberflus is supposed to be a defensive head coach. Oh, he saw a lot of progress. You didn't hear? He saw a lot of progress yeah, today. They're they, going in the right direction. They were supposed to have upgraded this defense in the offseason, bring in a couple of key defensive players. You can't, listen, when you've got like the worst pass rush rate and the worst secondary, bringing in a middle linebacker doesn't fix your defense. Mm -hmm. Like I don't care how good he is. It's, it was crazy to think that this team could be that much better, but what you did see at least was some glimmer. It's almost like Zach Wilson and Zach Wilson. It may be like that ship may have sailed already, but at least with Justin Fields, they're looking at like, well, maybe there's something there. Maybe there's a flash here, but again, I'm going to warn everyone. This Broncos defense is just as bad. And that could just be as simple as, well, yeah, they looked really good because Justin Fields played against the Broncos defense. That same Broncos defense that Tua put 70 on. Uh, th that's, a, that's a bad situation there in Denver. And you talk about, like I say, you can't fix a defense overnight. Like last year, weren't we talking about Denver being a quarterback? Like if Russell Wilson was playing well, they'd mm -hmm. be a, a contender. This year, their defense went from being really good to just dreadful overnight. Yeah, and well, it's a new defensive coordinator. It's a completely new system. And Vance Joseph... I don't. I mean, I, he he got a lot of respect for what he's done in the past, but he's not having a good season. <laughs> and and I'm not saying that Ivero, who's now in in uh, Carolina, is having a great season with that defense. Pretty good day holding the Vikings yeah, to 14 points. But literally, this is not the same defense that it was last year under. I can't. I don't know. How, was it Elijah? Is it Ejira? Ejiro? Ivero? Evero. Yeah, the I mean, guy that went to Carolina. The guy, who to, the guy who went to Carolina, the <laughs> Panthers' defensive coordinator. <laughs> anyway, so it's a completely different defense. So you want to talk about how good the Broncos' defense was last year? It, it, obviously, it's it's different. It takes a step back. Is Jairo Ivero? I think that's how you pronounce it. Um, and this, it, it's, I'm, it's concerning because 
They got their first win. That's great. But if they allow the Jets to score 30 points against them next week with Zach Wilson, what's going to happen when they play the Chiefs? What's going to happen? They put, You know, they have the Chiefs. What's going to happen when they play the Chargers? Like, they might actually, like, give up the most points ever in an NFL season. It's possible. I don't know how close they are to the record pace, but they're giving up way too many points to be a competitive playoff caliber football team. So Justin Fields never had four passing touchdowns before. He only had three in one other game in his career. Do we think this is all Broncos defense or is yes. there a glimmer? Okay, all right. Yeah, no, it's all Broncos Caleb defense. Williams is, is up on up on draft deck. Bears are in the waiting well, room. I got news for you. Think about this. The Bears are now 0-4. Maybe like, they, they look like they're the worst team. The Panthers are 0-4. The Bears own both those draft picks. The, it could be Bears, Bears, Cardinals, Cardinals. It really draft. could. Yeah. Although the Texans look like they're way more competitive than, than we thought they were going to be. Very true. The, my biggest concern about Justin Fields right now, and like when I see a game like this, I'm like, okay, maybe, maybe. 134 rushing yards through four games. He yeah. had 132 in week one last year. He keeps setting yeah. his prop at 55, 60. He's not even going to come close. Like, they're just not – he's not with, – with, with one exception against Kansas City, he just hasn't really gotten the attempts. Mm-hmm. And it's like – Remember, I, they started the year. They weren't even doing any design runs. I don't know if, if they really understand that that's what he's good at. Yeah. <laughs> and, and him doing that would open up the passing game. It's just a – I think that the Bears, their, their coaching staff is just in over their heads. It's, mm-hmm. a, it's another They'll situation there. What do you think so. of the field goal? Last thing on this game, they kicked a field goal, uh, tied two minutes left. They obviously just gave up a 21-point lead. And they don't kick a field goal. They go for it on fourth and one, and they miss it. Eberflus has got to get a lot of heat from that. I think it's pretty justified. You have an opportunity to get a lead late in the game. Your guy has a fourth quarter comeback if you can hold on. It's just a completely different narrative if they're, they don't make that risky decision. Well, a couple of things. Uh, so it's fourth and one at the 18-yard line. It's a yeah. tie game, yeah. right? One, you're in the shotgun, which I literally hate in short-yarded situations. Uh, two, you run the ball with Khalil Herbert. Yeah. Now – I don't know if they need to be reminded. I mean, AJ just tried to remind them. They have Justin Fields <laughs> at quarterback. He's having a good day. Making the right decision. I, I, I'm sorry. Like, like I, I mean, the, the tush push is going. Vi- everyone's doing it now. I know teams are not successful. Bill's we, found a new way. <laughs> we know. Yeah. We, we, we <laughs> yeah, the running back push. Yeah. The running back we, chuck. We, we saw that the Chargers were not successful with the tush push. But. Justin Fields. How do you like the brotherly shove? It's a yeah. little bit too on the nose. It's cute. Yeah. But Justin Fields, Justin Fields should be able to get one yard. Yeah. I I, I don't hate the I, – I get that they just want to win a game. You, you know they haven't won a game since October 24th of yeah, last it's year? it's going to be a full year. I mean, it, it, they're coming up on that. And it's like you, you've got to feel pressure and like – kind of like I talked about with the Jets. At some point – you got to take chances because yeah. straight up football isn't your thing. You, like you had a 21 point lead and you blew it. Mm-hmm. That doesn't happen to good teams. You're a bad team. You've got to try to find wins where you can. This felt like an opportunity for them to get a win and they did not. There's uh it is the 21 point lead that they blew tied for the largest blown lead in franchise history. 2002 against the Patriots, 1953 against the 49ers. Wasn't even the biggest blown lead of the day, though, was it? it w- <laughs> well, it's the, it's the complete blown lead because the Rams blew a 23-point lead, but they won. So they got Okay, the, yeah, the, yeah. The Bears, will play, the, the Bears will play on Thursday night football at Washington oh, against the Commanders. Must-see TV, baby. McKenzie, what's the spread on the Commanders-Bears? So it was five and a half in the look-ahead line. Got to be a downgrade for the Bears, right? Yep. 
That's what I would think. But I mean, the Bears pushed. That's true. They pushed the spread. <laughs> okay, no wonder. My page wasn't refreshing. I'm like, yeah, it's got to be. Commanders are now minus six, minus six and a half in some places. Yeah. And listen, Sam Howell looked really good. Might as well talk about the way Sam Howell played against the Philadelphia Eagles as the Commanders pushed them to overtime. Eagles win 34-31. And if Terry McLaurin had smaller feet, the Commanders win this football game. He's like Kevin Durant. Yeah, I could have been like, a champion. Literally, well, he also was he was on the defender's uh, arm, too, yeah. his one foot. But Sam Howell threw some dimes in this game. Like, he looked like the guy everyone was saying in the preseason is, is a legit NFL starting quarterback and is the real deal for this team. 29 of 41, 290 yards, a touchdown. Brian Robinson continues to do it all for them, and they – at one point had themselves a double digit lead over the Philadelphia Eagles and kudos to them for coming back after the AJ Brown, you know, touchdown Brown. I mean, that guy had what a, what a game AJ Brown had 175 yards and two touchdowns. How about this? How about getting flagged for unsportsmanlike for setting the ball down? I know in front of the guy you just scored the touchdown on. Do you think that that's, do you, do you think that's why the, the commanders were able to get down the field and score a touchdown? I don't know. Got but I mean, it's, it? it certainly helped. Well, no, it didn't matter because what happened was the Eagles defense had multiple opportunities to get them off the field. And there was a defensive holding on a fourth down. Was uh, this a real one or a scripted one? I mean, <laughs> sometimes it's semi-scripted. Like it, it, they didn't need throw, it. Throw, throw holding in here if you can. <laughs> they didn't need it. It completed the pass anyway. Uh, but they had opportunities to hold them there on that final drive, and then you know they they he throws the incomplete pass to Curtis Samuel when Samuel got popped at like the one yard line or two yard line. Honestly, the Eagles might have been better off letting him catch it. If you let him catch it and then you tackle him, the game is over. Yeah. They had no timeouts left. The clock. Now, the Eagles are home. And I don't know, like, who's in charge of the clock. The brotherly clock. I think that's the thing. They thought the game was going to be over. Someone should have, like, you know, maybe pushed the button a little late. Because you let that one second run off. That one second. I mean, the the clock stopped with after Samuel got hit. One second, they were allowed to have a final play in which Sam Howell throws the touchdown to Dotson to tie the game. I was shocked that Riverboat Ron did not go for for two. You have to go for two there. I had Eagles and Survivor, so I was happy. But you have to go for two there. We got to stop with Riverboat Ron. How do you not go for two? Because you're scared. You don't think, like, you think you're, he's scared to lose games. It's kind of like Matty Ice, where it was originally ironic, and then he leaned into it so much that he went through so many fourth downs. So this, I don't think he's that guy. He's still a defensive is, coach. This is what I was always told by um, uh, people that I respect in the football industry. I'm talking about, and I've heard it from multiple people, former players and former coaches and scouts. And the overwhelming explanation that I get for going for two at the end of the game to try and win or kicking the extra point is if you believe, if you don't, if you believe that your team does not have a good chance to win in overtime, if you're not the better team, you go, no, it's not just that. Or if you think you're gassed or whatever, exact, or you're hit or you're hurt, you're hurt, you're injured. Your, your depth is an issue. Yeah. You don't think your team, or maybe you're just not stopping them on offense, right? And you think, oh, if we lose the toss, the game's over. Yeah. They're, we're not going to stop them. That's like the, like the Bills-Chiefs game. You, have like... to, you evaluate your team and you say, you know what? Shoot, if we play another 10 minutes, we can't 
we can't win this game. Our best chance to win this game is right now with one play. I think Ron Rivera saw his offense march right down the field and score a touchdown on the Eagles and said, if we get the ball first in overtime, we're winning this game. Well, did you hear what, what Ron Rivera's reason for why he didn't? No. What did he say? He said his offense was gassed at the end of the game. They had just done a 65-yard drive in 80 seconds, and they were out of steam. Is well, what's 10 more minutes of football? Well then, well, then when they win the toss, they should just defer and go on defense first and give their offense a blow since that's the reason why they go three and out, right, in their first possession of, of overtime, and they didn't see the football again. Yeah. Honestly, most professional gamblers would get this right, and most head coaches don't. When the overtime starts, the very first play, whoever gets the ball, the Eagles are favored, and they're not favored by a little. They're minus 200. They're minus 220. They have a 60% chance to win. Coin flip. At the end of regulation, if you're down one, to go for two. No matter which team, which defense, historically, 50% you make that conversion. I think it's a bad move. I, th- I, I would have gone yeah. for two every time that. When you're the time. underdog in the most difficult, one of the most difficult places to play yep. in the NFC? Yep. Uh, so I now- swear, the, the coaching in this league is so bad right now. Like, well, there's so many examples of guys who, like, there's got to be guys better than this. Mm-hmm. There's got to be. At least decision-making wise. Yeah. Yep. yeah. Well, the Commanders will host that Thursday night game coming up against the Bears. They are the six-point favorite. Let's talk about C.J. Stroud and the Houston Texans. As C.J. Stroud is the first rookie since the 1970 merger with 250 passing yards, two touchdowns, and zero interceptions in three straight games. The Texans put a beaten on the Steelers 30-6 to as Stroud throws for 306 yards and two touchdowns, and the question is answered. If we did, if we redid the draft, there's no argument. C.J. Stroud goes number one overall. Well, and I, I also think there's no more shitting on the Texans for the decisions they made on draft day and, and trading away that future first-round pick to, to walk away with the best quarterback in the draft and probably the best overall player in the draft. They did the right thing. Now, are there going to be better quarterbacks next year than C.J. Stroud? Probably. Better yeah. prospects, for sure. Yeah, but... The Texans were in a position they couldn't afford to have another year of just being garbage. They Mm -hmm. could not deal with, like, their franchise was in the dumpster. I had people texting me after this game that were like, is this for real? Like, can we, can I start to get my hopes up a little bit? And I think there's, there's real reason for optimism. When you, when you look at, you look at Stroud and you look at Nico Collins and Tank Dell, and you look at the fact that they haven't really had much of a run game, their offensive line is like, it's made up of homeless guys. Like there's just <laughs> nothing there. And he's still performing at this level. You have to have some kind of excitement. Like this, this is the most buzz around this team in several years. So I, I to me, whatever happens, it, like they made, they made the right call here because CJ Stroud's better than these other two guys. Mm-hmm. And Will Anderson is an absolute force. You, you got, you got the guys that you wanted. And so Next year, be damned at that point. And Stroud's performance in this game might even be more impressive than we imagined. We always talk about Belichick versus first and second year quarterbacks. Mike Tomlin actually had the best straight up record versus rookie quarterbacks, 23 and four entering Sunday, 23 and five now. Well, they messed up, making yeah. him uh, a favorite. You know, Mike, Mike I know, Tomlin's right? a favorite. Well, it's Tomlin. amazing how bad he is as a minus three road favorite versus minus plus three. And also road dog. on the back to back of the road trips, not good for him. And I said, I love the way that this Texans team was playing with confidence after getting that first win. And CJ Stroud is the real deal. You know, it's funny. I, I, I had CJ Stroud in a, um, a dynasty league, I drafted him. Mm hmm. And I traded him away before week one. And what'd you get? Well, I wound up getting AJ Brown, but it's like I, I met, oh, okay. but I didn't not straight up, you know, I, I packaged him. Yeah. To, but I was like, for me, I was like, 
I, I made the decision. I was like, I'm not playing for the future. I was like, I don't care about the dynasty league, dynasty this. I, I just want to win this season. So I packaged a couple of players and I got myself AJ Brown. But you know what? CJ Stroud probably should start on my fantasy team. He's throwing for 300 yards and two touchdowns every game. Well, Zero Scott, sacks taken. What Scott didn't mention was his fantasy starter is Kenny Pickett, and that's uh, <laughs> that's the downside. Kenny Pickett continues to look like he doesn't belong in the NFL. Uh, I, I don't know what the, the Steelers, I know as an organization, are about as loyal as they come. I don't know how much longer the leash can be on this dude. Uh, he, he's just he, – there's nothing redeeming about him. He's just not very good. Well, they're going to be forced to probably take a look without him uh, as uh, the knee injury. I don't know how serious it is. Mackenzie, do we have an update on Kenny Pickett's knee injury? I would assume that it's going to probably – he'll probably go for imaging today, right? And then we'll figure out the severity. Yeah, immediately ruled out with a knee injury – no updates as of this morning. We'll find out later today. Yeah, I would assume he's going to go for imaging and then figure out what's going on. So is there a line on the Steelers against the, the Ravens yet? Yeah, Ravens are a three-and-a-half-point favorite, which in this rivalry what? means a lot. That's interesting. It's in Pittsburgh. They're three-and-a-half-point favorites, and that would be with Trubisky starting. I, don't, I still think that's a little too much. Yeah, the look-ahead line in this game was Steelers plus two-and-a-half at home, so through three, a full point plus more downgrade for the Steelers with this injury yeah and and listen the Ravens for the second week in a row get a uh, a terrible quarterback for the mm. other team or at least a, a, an inexperienced quarterback or a not capable quarterback DTR who knows what he's going to be long term but uh this week he was certainly pretty bad yeah the Ravens took advantage of a Deshaun Watson less Browns team winning 28 to 3 Lamar Jackson had himself uh, quite the day. Uh, two rushing touchdowns, two passing touchdowns, and the defense picked off DTR three times. And we all on the Dream Pod picked the Browns to, win, to, to cover this game. It was two and a half. We thought we were getting the line value. I think if we can go back to Wednesday when we recorded, and if you told us Deshaun Watson was not playing, None of us take the Cleveland Browns. Well, certainly not at minus two and a half. No, I um, think even at the plus three and a half. I don't think any of us touch this game. I don't think so. Yeah. Well, you know what? Plus three and a half, I might have considered it. I don't know. But yeah, it only went to uh, Ravens I, minus two. So it would have been a, very different from the market. But I I was mad at myself for not playing the Ravens once I saw the start of the same. game playing. Hey, listen, this was, a, uh, this was a guy who just wasn't ready to play. And really bad reporting from insiders on the Deshaun Watson yeah. thing, who said that Deshaun Watson was prepping to play this week. And I guess you can call it gamesmanship, but what good did that do you, Browns, if that if that was the plan was trick them? And by the way, like, they got DTR because they wanted a mobile quarterback who could yeah. back up Deshaun and you wouldn't have to change too much. And so the gamesmanship aspect of it is kind of silly. DTR just didn't give them much of a chance here. Although, again, the, the Ravens offense played much better than I would have thought against this Browns defense that had been elite. But there was just it, there was a lot piled on the plate of this Browns defense. I, I love this. Connor <laughs> Allen from uh, 4 for 4 tweeted out about the uh, insider report summary for week four of the NFL, and I'll just read you some of them. I'm not going to go through his whole tweet, but it's uh, it's pretty funny. He goes, Deshaun Watson will start. Result, announced out early Sunday. Yeah. <laughs> report, Roshan Johnson will have an expanded role. Out touched 22-6 by Khalil Herbert. Uh, Zeke to see starter snaps. Ramondre Stevenson, 12 more touches. Jameis Winston to start. Derek Carr starts. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Joe Burrow off the injury report and healthy. Still not healthy. So if, if this is the week that you were like, you're making bets based on these <laughs> right. NFL I'm insiders. refreshing my Twitter pages. David, David Montgomery's out. Junior I'm going to be Gibbs first to have to a it. big role. Yeah, David Montgomery ran for Played like three touchdowns. All 32 carries. <laughs> Jesus. 
Yeah, just a bad week for these guys who are like the uh, the, the inside scoop guys. And and if you're fo- if the, you're following that with your bets or fantasy, you you got your ass kicked this week. It's uh, uh, it's unfortunate. So Ravens uh, are favored against the Steelers. Nothing. Not, there's not much to take away from this game from the Cleveland Browns. We talked about how good their defense was, but I just think when you're without your starting quarterback and you're seeing him turn the football over, you're seeing your offense non-existent. It's deflating for the entire team. I mean, just ask the New York Jets through the first three weeks of the season. Well, is there not much to take? I mean, the Browns were immaculate 100% on the test the first three weeks of the season maybe they were in a tough spot but they were much less than 100% on this test yeah but I'm just saying like maybe we downgrade their defense a little bit it's deflating for the team when your first possession is a punt your second possession is an interception and and then okay you get a field goal you feel good about that but if they're the 85 bears and they're not deflated this much but then it's punt 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 like you're Punt, punt, punt. Literally, this is the Browns' drive the entire game. Punt, interception, field goal. Punt, 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 interception, punt, interception. Skip right over the field goal there. That was a good drive. Yeah, it was nice. So, it was solid. Obviously, that's deflating for the defense. There's good news and bad news for the Browns going forward. The good news is they've got a bye this week. So Deshaun Watson, whatever is wrong with him, they can get right. The bad news is when they come back in two weeks, they play the San Francisco 49ers, which uh, doesn't look like a place anyone wants to be right now. San Francisco, another dominant performance. Although, I mean, listen, credit to Arizona. They put up a little fight. They, they put up more fight than I would have thought they they would. They're a scrappy team. They are. They don't go away. They, they are, they're scrappy. They just don't have a whole lot of talent. Yeah. Josh and Dobbs back-to-back games with an 80-plus QBR is pretty good. Pretty impressive. But the story of the day, well, you know what? I, I hesitate to say the story of the day was Christian McCaffrey because he's the story of every day. Brock Purdy was incredible. Mm. Brandon Ayuk was incredible. Yep. Like the, the the 49ers offense right now is a real problem. And I don't, I don't think this is exclusive just to playing the Arizona Cardinals. I, I think that they've got weapons who are all so versatile that they're going to be very difficult for everybody to defend. This, talk, this team is so good. Let's talk about McCaffrey here for a second. He's the third player in NFL history with 600 scrimmage yards and seven touchdowns through the first four games of a season, joining Emmett Smith and Jim Brown. And then you look at the 49ers since they traded for Christian McCaffrey. They're 13-1. and one. In the regular season, he's rushed for over 1,200 yards. They haven't lost in the regular season. Oh, okay, oh, yeah, with Chris McCaffrey, the first week was with the Chiefs. Yeah. A lot of people use this stat once he was a starter. Okay, okay, but still, they're 13-1 and one since they traded for him. 13-1, and one, he's rushed for over 1,200 yards and scored 15 touchdowns. What? I, I, are you kidding he's, me? He's on pace to break the scrimmage record. He's on pace to score 30 touchdowns. He's the MVP of the league. Well, let's take a look at I mean, the odds. He had 170 yards rushing and receiving and four TDs. I don't think the stat spoke to how important he was in this game. Every time there was a third down that mattered, every time there was a first down that mattered, he made a big play. All right, th- these these odds cannot be updated. Um, MVP right now, Christian McCaffrey's 30-1. to 1, But Christian McCaffrey is the favorite for Offensive Player of the Year. Offensive yeah, player, I guess they've made that pivot. It, it, they've made the pivot where award. the MVP's a quarterback award. Because I'm seeing right now Josh Allen is the favorite to be the MVP. It's Josh Allen, then Tua, then Mahomes, then Jalen Hurts. But then the Offensive Player of the Year, it's McCaffrey and then Justin Jefferson. Yeah, the first nine, including Dak Prescott, are are quarterbacks that are ahead of McCaffrey. Purdy shouldn't be ahead of McCaffrey. He's not as important to their success so far this season. Here's what I think you need to do going forward, McKenzie. Anytime RJ gives you grief about – the par- the price that the Niners paid for Trey Lance, right, 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 which is early and often. Just say, listen, if like these are the draft picks that were given up, 
And in exchange, the 49ers got Trey Lance and Christian McCaffrey. And then it seems like actually <laughs> right. kind of a good deal. Right. Like the idea that they gave That's up a, a second, third, a fourth, and fifth round pick. They gave up four draft picks. And people were like, mm, might be a mistake. <laughs> it's funny. Injury prone. They asked Shanahan about like how much different your life is with McCaffrey. And he's like, the thing about trading draft picks is you're, it's always a gamble. You know, you're risking the guy. You're risking the draft picks. And you're not always going to get them right. Like. The whole conversation was about Trey Lance, but nobody brought up Trey Lance. Yeah, it's funny. It's in the background. Well, the 49ers will host the Dallas Cowboys on Sunday Night Football next Ooh, week. And what baby. is a, a worthy Sunday Night game? Although last night was a fun game. Come on. Uh, but the 49ers, I, I would assume favorites at home against the Cowboys. Mackenzie, where are we looking at right now? Yeah, this was three and a half before the games. Both teams impressed. Now it's three and a half still. Okay. That seems about right to me. Like, I, I think the Cow or I think the uh, Niners are a slightly better team than the Cowboys. I, I think maybe a point, point and a half better. Uh, so that that number feels pretty fair to me. Yeah, and the Cardinals uh, will take on next week. They will host the Cincinnati Bengals. And what's the spread on that one? They've been upgraded. They were five and a half point dogs in the look headline. Now they're only four in most spots oh at Cincinnati. Mm. No, hosting Cincinnati. They're going to try to make me bet on the Cardinals. I already know this. I've been bad. thinking about that all afternoon. I'm like, you know, the line's going to move, oh. McKenzie. Well, you know the Bengals are going to be laying three once it comes game time. Oh, I'm, I can't do it. I can't <laughs> I'm do a little it. worried about doing it myself. Well, let's get to the Bengals in just a moment. Real quick on the Dallas Cowboys, a 38-3 win over the Patriots. Uh, two defensive touchdowns. The story, Mac Jones is so bad. The story of this game is that Mac Jones might not be the starter for the Patriots anymore. He was benched in the third quarter. Bailey Zappi comes in. and He's lost his last 12 games as an underdog. Straight it, up in ATS. Yeah, and, and I, I have... Always picked against the Patriots, and I give out the numbers every single dream pod about how they don't cover, how they don't win, how Belichick's not the same since Brady left, and yet there's still people out there, and I'm not signaling anybody out. I'm not saying it's like RJ no, or, millions or whatever. Of, millions of dollars were spent to get it from yeah. a seven-point dog to a six-point dog. There's still this belief that just Sharps loved them. this Belichick's smart and the defense plays well. Well, I don't care how good your defense is. You don't have a quarterback. And what would the line have been, McKenzie, if they lost to the Jets last week in a game where, like I said, it was one fluke blown coverage yeah. that led to a Pharaoh Brown 58-yard touchdown. There's Nine and a half out of ten NFL fans never heard of Farrell Brown. Ninety percent so, of the talk on those all the sports talk shows like get up and whatever is how bad the Jets offense was. Look at the underlying metrics. The Patriots offense wasn't that much better. Yeah. And so if the Patriots would have lost that game to the Jets, let's say it was 10-9 yeah. instead of the you know the 15-10 win, whatever. The Patriots 0-3 going up against the Cowboys. I don't think anybody would have t picked the Patriots to cover. But it's like all of a sudden you put a W next to your name and, like, it changes the perception of your team. No, you're bad. This is a bad football team. This is a team that will finish worse than the New York Jets in this division. Mark my words. I know they beat the Jets head up, head, heads up. They will not beat them again. And they will have a worse record when the season's over than the New York Jets. You told us. That is a bold prediction. Yeah, it's a bold prediction. Uh, you talk about teams that one result could change the way we look at them. Had Dallas not lost that game to Arizona last week, I mean, I think it's probably a two, two-and-a-half-point game at San Francisco, yeah. and we're talking about the battle for the NFC right there uh, because Dallas's point differential so far through four games, and mind you, one of them they lost is plus 83. I mean, that's just an absurd number. And they keep returning everything for a touchdown. It's crazy. <laughs> they do. I, I mean, <laughs> it's. <laughs> so, by the way, Patriots over under seven and a half, juice mm -hmm. to the under. Jets, five and a half, juice to the under. I mean, we could bet it straight up. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. 
How's your social battery right now, AJ? I know sometimes I get drained, and it could be easy to ignore your social battery and just spread yourself too thin, you know, especially when it comes to social gatherings and maybe just things you're not in the mood for. Well, do you know the right amount of socializing you need to do to keep yourself balanced? Therapy can give you that self-awareness and you can build basically your routine that reflects what you need personally. Everybody's different in this way. That was a big driver for me when I was in therapy. I got a lot out of it and it's so easy here Give BetterHelp a try if you've said, I don't want to go out of my way to do this. It's all online. It's as convenient as can be, and it's suited to you. It's simple. Just fill out a brief questionnaire, get matched with a licensed therapist, and you can switch at any time for no additional charge. Find your social sweet spot with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Vegas today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Vegas. AJ. It's important to me that the supplements that I take every single day are of the highest quality. And that's why ever since they jumped aboard as a sponsor with us, I've been drinking AG1. Because for AG1, quality isn't just a buzzword. AG1's ingredients are heavily researched for efficacy and quality. And I love that every scoop has prebiotics, probiotics, digestive enzymes for my gut support, B vitamins for energy. It's got the magnesium and ashwagandha for stress support, also testosterone support, vitamin C and zinc to support my immune system. I don't get sick anymore. Well, you're welcome for introducing you to AG1. Yeah, but uh, I mean, this stuff is incredible. And so many people have asked me, are you just reading commercials? No, man. AG1 is actually legit. And there's a reason why I drink it every single day. It just makes taking care of my health so much easier in general. So if you want to replace your multivitamin and more, start with AG1. Try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D3 plus K2 and five free AG1 travel packs with your first subscription at drinkag1.com slash SOV. That's drinkag1.com slash SOV. Check it out. There we All go. Right. I mean, you said it. I'll, I'll, take, take, I'll take some of that, too. Let I'll me take get, it. Let me, pat, let, me, sure. let me get some yeah, of that. He's blocking the market. Yeah. Two games? I'll take it. He doesn't care. Unless Bailey Zappi turns out to be, you know, <laughs> uh, uh, Western Kentucky Bailey Zappi. What if he is? And then and then he was slinging it. Maybe we're wrong here, but uh, but I, I don't see anything from this Patriots team. They have to make a quarterback change. Will Bill Belichick do it? Well, Will Belichick make a change for the rest of the season? Listen, that's see the hands on the face after the pick six? I yeah. haven't seen that from Belichick in a minute. I, I think that eventually it's going to happen, and I texted you guys during the game before he got benched. I was like, how long is Belichick going to let this guy play? Uh, he eventually sat him with a little over three minutes ago in the in the third quarter and saying that it wasn't a benching. He said, I didn't think there was any point leaving him in the game. Uh, basically, like he was trying to protect him. So, yeah, no, I'm not But he that. says he says Mac Jones is still the starter. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, well, good luck then. Good luck. We'll see what happens uh, next week. Uh, what are the Patriots looking at for next week, McKenzie? The Patriots are facing a team that also is off a loss. They are one-and-a-half-point favorites. Hosting New Orleans Saints. All right, we'll, God, we'll get to this. talk about two teams who just look yeah. awful right now. We'll get to the Saints in just a moment. We have to talk about those Cincinnati Bengals because we we mentioned them being a small favorite against the Cardinals in Arizona. Actually, not small, north of a field goal for sure. Um, Joe, I, I think there's more to the Bengals' struggles than just Joe Burrow's not healthy. Um, they lose twenty-seven to three to the Tennessee Titans. Joe Burrow finishes 20 of 30, 165 yards, no touchdowns, no interceptions. Joe Mixon, 14 carries, 67 yards. 
They allowed Ryan Tannehill to throw for 240 in a touchdown. Derrick Henry finally looked like Derrick Henry, not just a uh, a rushing touchdown. He did the jump throw, Derrick Henry, passing touchdown Derrick Henry as had well. more passing touchdowns than Burrow. Yeah. Yes, indeed. <laughs> but I, I think— Better Bur- completion percentage, too. Burrow was, Burrow was <laughs> sacked three times. I think there's just more. There's something more going on with this Bengals team than just Joe Burrow is not healthy and his calf is bothering him. I think the offensive line is still an issue for them. I know they've done a lot to overhaul it in the last couple of years, since the Super Bowl, really. They, they've really tried to, to make that an emphasis. It just hasn't really gelled. Like, it doesn't feel like it's a good unit yet. And this was one of the times. It's funny because last week I was like, man, maybe I, I, I made a mistake questioning the Bengals so much because their defense looked pretty good. Their defense looked really bad in this game. So, and that's against a, a team in you know Tennessee who's really struggled mm-hmm. offensively. They had a great day on offense yesterday. Does this performance by Tannehill and the Titans change your opinion on them? And does it change the idea of? Well, I think maybe you look at Zach Wilson's performance last night. Also, it changed the idea that maybe that one of the quarterbacks could be on the way out. That Tannehill could be on the way out. Well, here's here's the reason why I don't think the Titans are in any rush to move away from Tannehill. They play in a division where nobody's really that good. Everybody mm-hmm. in that AFC South is two and two. They feel like they can. Uh, they feel like they can win. Yep. And right, I mean, think about they, what, what would they lose like eight games in a row to finish the season last year, mm-hmm. or they would have easily won that division. Like it came down to them having to lose an eighth consecutive game for them to give up the division. They still probably feel like they're the best team in this division, and it, it, it might be hard to argue with them. I don't know. I, I like if you put a gun to my head right now and said who's one of the AFC South, I, I would be dead. I have got no idea. So Tennessee's got as good a chance as anybody. They've got as good a coach as any of these teams. So I, I think Tennessee probably feels pretty good about their position right now. Well, a huge game in the division next week as they are at Indy taking on the Colts. Mackenzie, what's the spread in that one? We have the Colts as a one-point favorite opposing Tennessee, which means that the market feels like Tennessee's better overall. Yeah. This is home home yeah. for Indianapolis. And the Colts quarterback, Anthony Richardson, obviously is a different kind of quarterback. He has five yards per throw this year. Joe Burrow is the second lowest yards per attempt this season. I just don't think he's right. I don't think that he has I opportunities like to I go said, long down the field. I think there's more. There's yeah. more to it than just the calf injury. But this this was literally the entirety of my handicap. Was They were saying that last week yeah. everybody said, well, Joe Burrow looked good. He did not look good. Mm-hmm. But he, he threw a lot. QBR was like 20. He threw 49 times. So. Grade my handicap. I had T. Higgins over 55 receiving yards. I figured if they're going to be in shotgun, they're going to have to throw it. He broke a rib. So maybe that was unlucky, but I don't know. I lost that one. Do you think it was a bad pick? Do you think I should have? I was underestimating how bad Burrow is right now. I think seeing how the game went and the idea that, like, it's not like Taj Boyd got all those cat- like I, I just I don't think I don't think Joe Burrow's right. Not a lot of production out there. I just don't think there's anything for them right now. It, it, he's I, I do think his calf is still messed up, and I think they made a mistake by not putting him on IR immediately mm. and getting him through the bye week. Couldn't have been worse. If he didn't start these four, first four games, they're probably one and three anyway. Right, exactly. Yeah. And then he comes back after the bye healthy. Yeah. It just it, it seems odd to me. I get it. Cincinnati was like one of the top. They're probably not making the playoffs now. Like it, it's, no, and, and Fez and RJ were right on it. Right after their first loss, they bet under 10 and a half. Doesn't look like they're going to touch that number. Like, how, how do, I mean... Yeah, I, I think this team, all these, all the preseason expectations, because most people thought it was Kansas City, Buffalo, and and Cincinnati. Yeah. It's one of those three teams was going to win the AFC. The Kansas City looks great. Buffalo looks great. Cincinnati's not coming back from this. I, I'm sorry. Even in, like Cleveland's good. 
Yeah. You know, Baltimore's good. Pittsburgh's not terrible. They're yeah. Too. This is uh, they're just not, it's not going to happen. And the schedule for the Bengals, like the, having that success last year, it's going to come back and get them. Like they're they've got games that they're at the Niners later. They they uh, they've got the Bills. You know, I mentioned the division games. They've got they're at Kansas City. Like. How many games can this team win? Yeah. I, I, I just don't see it. So I, I think the Bengals are in a real bad spot right now. Let's talk about the Colts who fall to the Rams in overtime, 29-23. The story for the Rams continues to be Puka Nakua, who has 39 catches so far this season. That's the most for a player in the first four games in NFL history. He has 501 receiving yards. That's the most for a player in their first four games in NFL history. And he got the game-winning touchdown in overtime to help the Rams improve to 2-2 two and two on the season. And hopefully they get Cooper Cup back next week. You said Puka Nakua is the story for this team. I'll argue the story for this team is Kyron Williams because it's really been since Todd Gurley that the Rams had any kind of running game to mm-hmm. to play uh, like to to just, boy they look smart getting rid of Cam Akers now huh oh right yeah I mean it just it, they just need to contribute a little and mm-hmm. we'll let the passing game go Kyron Williams looks good he's great in the passing game uh, both blocking and receiving he ran really well yesterday he's run really well all season. I, I feel like these guys that just came out of nowhere, like we talked about the Rams being this super young team. They've got like four stars, and they surrounded them with unknowns. Kyron Williams, Puka Nakua, Tutu Atwell. These guys are making this team competitive, what and do, it's fun to watch, actually. What do we make of the fact that they blew a 23-point lead? Like, they're a young that's team. That's the thing, yeah. They're a young team. I'm not saying they're great. They're, they're certainly not great. No, I, I was going to say, like, I didn't see them make any, like, major gaffes. Just, like, sometimes you get three scores on you in a row. And they were able to keep their composure and win. So I don't think that's any kind of downgrade at all. This team's, you know, they were favored in this game on the road. I think they're a lot better than people expect. I, I'm just curious, fact, like, if, if they don't win the toss and the Colts get the football first in overtime, do they march right down the field and score a touchdown? Maybe. Uh, I mean, certainly they had the momentum on their side. Uh, and Matt Stafford, like, limping around the field for the last, you know, 15, 20 minutes of the game mm-hmm. wasn't, wasn't promising. Uh, yeah, it's a good possibility. But, I, I mean – what it boils down to is the same thing this spread said at the beginning of the game. These these two teams are about equal. Yeah. Like I, yeah. So I think the coin toss played a pretty big role. The, the, it's funny how the the coin toss is often like it it matters more when the teams are equal, and it's what it's what I said last year or two years ago when Buffalo played Kansas City, like in that in that playoff game where there was all those points scored at the end, and I said whoever wins this coin toss wins the game because mm-hmm. it's just they, these two teams are so close that there's not going to be more back and forth. Yeah. It's whoever's got it has got it, and I think whoever won that coin toss probably does go. All right, Anthony Richardson, only 11 completions out of, out of 25 attempts, 200 yards, two touchdowns, 10 carries, 56 yards, and a score. For the majority of this game, this offense looked completely stagnant, and then all of a sudden in, you know, in the fourth quarter, they turned it on. I think there's going to be growing pains, and I, I've thought that all season long. There'll be growing pains with Anthony Richardson. He wasn't a guy that I expected to start year one, and the Colts just kind of forced him into this. Um, but I also think that the style of play the Colts have, where they're a run-first team, is going to wear teams down late. So the Colts are the kind of team that are they're probably going to make a lot of second-half noise, which is funny for a running team. You typically think if you fall behind, it's over. Mm-hmm. But they wear defenses down. And unless you're a really good defense or a really good offense that can keep putting points up, and the Rams couldn't once Stafford got hurt, uh, they I, they can get themselves back into the game that way. Yeah, and we talked about the uh, the Colts. They will play next week 
hosting uh, the Tennessee Titans. As for the Rams, they will host the Philadelphia Eagles. Eagles favored by how much, McKenzie? Four and a half. Money coming in on L.A. This was six points in the look-ahead line. Mm. I guess downgrade for the Eagles or upgrade for the Rams? What do you guys think? I think a little little bit of both. A little bit of both for sure. Uh, Let's move along on the schedule, recapping week four Sunday, and let's talk about the Saints who lose to the Buccaneers 26-9. We had mentioned the Saints uh, in taking a look ahead at their week five game at the Patriots. What's the line in that Saints-Patriots game, McKenzie? Patriots one-and-a-half-point favorites hosting Saints. Yeah, and again, we don't know if it's going to be Bailey Zappi. I mean, I guess it's going to be Mac Jones. Bill Belichick says he's still sticking with Mac Jones. But the Saints, we I, I mean, we all thought, I thought it was going to be Jameis Winston starting this game, and it winds up being Derek Carr. And I, I don't know, maybe it should have been Jameis Winston. Yeah, Derek Carr looked terrible. And Derek Carr, 23 of 37, only 127 yards. No touchdowns, no picks. Alvin Kamara in his first game. Uh, of the season, eleven carries, fifty-one yards. The Bucks. I don't. I didn't think the Bucks looked that great, but Baker Mayfield played well when it mattered the most there at the end of the game. Well, much like I said about Tennessee, they're in a, in a division where there's no good teams. Mm-hmm. So all you got to do is be a little above average, and you can win this division. Baker Mayfield's playing that way right now. And I, the, Tampa's got a one-game lead in the division. Mac, what are the uh, the odds in the NFC South? Who are the favorites now to win? Now, I someone on the show might have predicted an 8-1 to one upset in the NFC South. The Buccaneers, who were 8-1, to one, are now plus 165 mm. favorites. Saints plus 175. Falcons plus 220. Obviously, the Panthers, long shots. Eliminated. They, they they stink. They, what a Four million team. to one, it says. I mean, there was a there was a play on in the fourth quarter. It was I guess it was seventeen to nine, so it was still uh, a one possession game. And then a big third down stop. The Saints stopped the the Bucks, but it was a defensive holding gave them new life. Baker then winds up throwing a touchdown pass, and then the fumble. Uh, Derek Carr fumbles on the next possession. The game was over. But uh, I just felt like. At some point, the Saints were going to, like, rally and win this game, but it just never happened. Their offense never got anything going. They settled for field goals way too much because they had opportunities. They got down inside the red zone in the second half, but they settled for field goals. Mackenzie, you you texted us something really interesting about Saints head coach Dennis Allen. And when you hear these numbers, AJ, why are we not, talking about Dennis Allen's inefficiencies as a head coach more. What's those stats, McKenzie? So he's 17 and 40 straight up, but that's not the historic nature of his tenure. He's now 21 and 36 ATS. Of any coach that in our database since 1989 that's coached more than 50 games, that is the worst ATS mark. Some guys in the conversation are Dave McGinnis, Gus Bradley, Jim Schwartz, who's doing pretty well in Cleveland, Mike Martz, Hugh Jackson, Adam Gase. There's a list of really bad quarterback coaches here. Nobody's been worse versus the Vegas expectations than Dennis Allen. Wow. And it's not just versus expectations. Like, people forget that, like, Dennis Allen, when he got this job, should be on it. He should have been on a short leash. And last season, you, you know, they go 7-10, and 10 and you're thinking, well, they, you know, major change at a head coach. Okay. They get a quarterback. Yeah, maybe we'll see how it works out. I mean, it, it's still super early in this season. But let's remember what Dennis Allen did in Oakland. He was 8-28 and 28 over three yeah. years there. Like, he was dreadful. And, like, 
guys like him, you, if you go eight and twenty-eight, usually you don't get a second chance. Yeah. The idea that he got a second chance, but he should be on a, a very short leash. And right now, total seventeen and forty in his career, he's like a thirty percent winner. That, that's that's yeah. that's straight up. Eventually, the rebuilding has to end. Yeah, I, I, think, start winning. I think the whole thing was that, you know, he's been with the Saints forever. And, and he was even with the Saints before yeah. he was the coach in Oakland. And when Sean Payton decided to take his sabbatical, it was they just wanted consistency. And so I don't think they ever had any interest in going outside the organization. Well, I hear the, owners are, somebody. I hear the owners are really more interested in the Pelicans right now. They don't really give it to the Saints. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> well, maybe they can get Zion to play offensive line or something. It couldn't hurt. Uh, yeah, but I, I just think. Got burst. That, they maybe it's time to look outside the organization and break away from this whole Sean Payton, Drew Brees era and move into the future because clearly it's not working right now. The Saints should be better than this. I thought they would be better than this. They, they lost two games that I think were winnable. The Packers game was absolutely winnable oh, no because doubt. they were dominating that game and Derek Carr gets hurt. This game, whether it was the fact that Derek Carr probably shouldn't have played after not practicing this week or they just completely let it slip away their defense is a lot better than what showed up yesterday with those late touch with the late touchdown allowed well I think the Saints have an option right now at least Dennis Allen has an option it's either they need to move on from Pete Carmichael who listen last season was the first year he was the primary play caller like so it and Sean Payton wasn't around mm -hmm. talk about Sean Payton legacy yeah Drew Brees wasn't around he didn't have all these benefits and he got kind of exposed through four games, he's been kind of further exposed. Yeah. So I would say that either Dennis Allen moves on from Pete Carmichael, which I know is a tough decision because they've been working together for a long time, or the Saints move on from both of them at the same time uh, here in a few more weeks when this continues. 0-0 mm -hmm. final New at New England next week. It, could be. <laughs> it wouldn't shock me. No touchdowns scored. Now, what's uh, the total in that game? 39 I mean, yeah, 39, 38 yeah. and a half. Ugh, what a gross game. Uh, Bucks are on a bye next week. Vikings get their first win of the season, 21-13 <laughs> over the Panthers. Uh, Bryce Young, 25 of 32, 204 yards, no touchdowns, no picks. Kirk Cousins, 12 of 19 only, 139 yards only, two touchdowns and two interceptions. Not a great day for him. One Justin to the Jefferson. house. Yeah, bad. Bad interception. Oh, and he got crushed house. on that one, yep. too. Uh, but they they find a way to get it done. Justin Jefferson with two touchdowns. Alexander Madison ran the football well. Cam Akers contributed. And it wasn't pretty, but it was a win. And now they kind of get that monkey lifted off their backs. One of you guys help me out. Say something nice about the Carolina Panthers. Like, is there anything you guys are seeing that you're like, I like this the, is promising. I like the uniform, like, color scheme. <laughs> okay. The whole black with the blue. Yeah, yeah, know, yeah. Nice. Mac, you got anything good? Their defense has been decent. I mean, they held, you take out the return touchdown, they held Kirk Cousins, who had been red hot, to 14 points. Uh, the other side of the ball, I don't see anything positive. But even without missing Ben Burns and some other guys, they had a good defensive game. That's fair. Like, and it's obviously Bryce Young, it, it, this is his third start. So who knows? But through three starts, you're not seeing a lot of like no. promise or upside with the guy. And. That's concerning, uh, you know, and you're, you're again, you're counting on Adam Thielen, who's like 100 years old. Like you're just they, they don't have good players. I, I don't know how like it's hard to be a good NFL team when you don't have any good players. Yeah, we talk about how ridiculous the Bears seven and a half was. The Panthers was not that far off. There was not a lot of talent to rally around. No, but the, but the difference was it felt like their division was so poor that maybe there was some wins right, in there. Right. Whereas the Bears, it's like 
I mean, are they are the Bears better than the Vikings, the Packers? Mm. Are they better Absolutely than any of these not. teams? No, they're not. Uh, so now, what's what, what are we looking at for next week? The Panthers are at the Lions, McKenzie. The Lions impressed, obviously. Mm. Man, the Vikings did not impress. This was seven and a half after Thursday. It's up to nine now. Lions favorite at home. Oh, the Panthers. Panthers did not impress. You're saying yes. 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 So, the Panthers did not impress. Lions wow. did. This was seven in the look ahead. Now it's up to nine. That's a big line. And as for the Vikings, they will host the Kansas City Chiefs uh, Sunday afternoon. However, I got to warn everybody, this is not a one o'clock Eastern nope. time game. So nope. it's, not, it's Kirk Cousins. Outside the window. Outside the window. But wait a minute. What time did Kirk Cousins play yesterday? In the window. Covered. And he had a terrible game, I mean, two turnovers, awful. and he covered. Played, played poorly. Great so teams maybe, yeah, maybe he's just turning into the opposite. I think as you get older, maybe you, uh, yeah. your body, <laughs> you wake yeah. up a little your bit Your body later. clock's maybe. a little different. Maybe so. Maybe. Uh, the Raiders had Aiden O'Connell starting at quarterback against the Chargers. No Jimmy Garoppolo in this one. When was the last time you saw a quarterback that was listed as your third-string quarterback who was not active for the first three games of the season, get the start over your backup quarterback when your starter's out. Who, by the way, your backup, Brian Hoyer, took all the reps this week at practice. <laughs> I was, I was going to ask you about that. Like, why? That, I mean, that much of a trick to the L.A. Chargers defense to not tell anybody? What a cr- – I mean, listen – I say it every week. The Raiders have to fire Josh McDaniels. <laughs> uh, he was this, the favorite entering week four. This can, he continues to make these like mind-boggling decisions. You know something? I, here's what I don't understand. Like Josh McDaniels is supposed to be like an analytic coach, right? That's why he decided to kick the field goal because the winning percentage right at the end of the game, right? Was that what you know? Right? Because oh, you need the possession anyway. Yeah. But yet they were down fourteen. Seemed like the ideal spot. Scored the touchdown, and did not go for two. Holding no. up one, holding up one finger. Yeah. Kick the field goal. Kick, kick the extra point. Yeah. And, uh, then, and then Brandon Staley. <laughs> AJ, talk to me about your boy. <laughs> Brandon Staley. They, they can leave on the same train yeah. for all I care. P- playing, now, Justin Herbert, after throwing an interception, uh, got his finger stuck in a face mask of a player. And I don't, it's, it's either a broken finger, a lacerated finger, dislocated finger, whatever it is. He had a splint on Came the finger. like a Frankenstein yeah, hand. Completely taped up. Clearly could not go under center for snaps. Could not. And, and, and whoever was doing the game on the broadcast, as I was watching on the Red Zone channel, they made a great point. Because of his hand injury, yeah. the defense knew he can only hand the football off to one side. Yeah. So they didn't have to respect the other side. So fourth after, down? Yeah. So fourth and one? What after, are you going to do? After the uh, touchdown was scored by the Raiders... The Chargers get the ball on their own 25-yard line after a touchback because we know there's no kickoff, kickoff returns anymore. Justin Herbert, three-yard pass to Gerald Everett. Nice, good first down play. Raiders call their first timeout. Then Justin Herbert takes a shot down the field, incomplete. That is a free timeout for the Las Vegas Raiders. So, mistake? Well, forget about mistakes. Let's just call it. Um, and don't start trying to count Staley mistakes. Yeah, we don't just, have time for that. Let's on just this say show. that that's the fir- that's an that, that's a flub right there. So you don't you you don't let the clock run out and force the Raiders to use another timeout. But it's okay. You stop the clock for them. Then Justin Herbert runs and with a Herculean effort almost gets the first down. Replay shows his knees down. The ball short. So the Raiders call their second timeout. It's fourth and one at their own thirty-four yard line. Well, AJ, Staley decides to go for it. Yep. Second Again. week in a row. Exact same scenario. Do you think that he did this 
to spite everyone. One hundred percent. That talked shit about him that, last. That was week. my first thought. Uh, yeah. What? What did the? Did we have a, a bot decision on that? Because I bet you, in his mind, he was like, "Everyone made fun of me last week. This week, I'm going to show them that we're going to get the first down, and it's the right decision." Meanwhile, what would have been the right decision is maybe you run the ball on that second down also. So, like, the Raiders used all three of their timeouts been wise. instead of two of their timeouts. Um, but they try the brotherly shove. It does not go well. Justin Herbert gets stuffed at the line of scrimmage. I mean, like, by the way, how about don't try a quarterback sneak when your quarterback's hand is broken? Exactly. I, I... And, and and then the Raiders take over with one timeout, the two-minute warning in their pocket, 3.30 left in the game at the 34-yard line. What do you got, McKenzie? I don't know about these models. It says 92% chance to go for it, 89% chance if you punt, so it Two and a half percent win percentage gain by going for it. I don't know. It doesn't know that there's a rookie quarterback, though. It doesn't know that the quarterback's fumbled three times and has looked particularly terrible. Mm. I mean, they, they, they were up 24-7 seemingly the whole game. Yeah. Raiders couldn't do anything. I would have punted. All right. Well, they don't punt. Aiden O'Connell takes over at the 34-yard line, immediately gets down to the three-yard line. First and ten. First and goal from the three-yard line. Goal. And they roll him out to the right. He throws the pass, and it gets intercepted by Asante Samuel Jr. Now, let's just talk about another thing that happened right when the interception occurred. This is a pick six. Easy. At worst, All you got to do is beat the quarterback. At worst, he's pushed out of bounds maybe well beyond midfield. Yeah. He gets to midfield. Asante Samuel, at the behest of the Chargers sideline. Like there's two seconds on the clock. The genius head coach. They're (laughs) saying slide, slide. So he slides down. There's two and a half minutes left. At the 11-yard line. The Raiders still have one timeout and the two-minute warning. And you know what? It got to a point where it was third and 10 at the two-minute warning. And Justin Herbert, AJ, I mean, if anybody's, RJ, watching this throw (laughs) and doesn't have the all questions are answered and believe it, that was such a dime of a throw. In a a game on the line, he throws a 51-yard beautiful game-ending pass to, who is it, Palmer caught that ball? Unbelievable. There's... There's only a handful of quarterbacks in the league that make that throw. And what's funny is, like, you're gonna if you look at Justin Herbert's stat line, you think, oh, he stunk, and it, like it wasn't his best game by far. But when they needed him, the couple big moments, the the pass that he threw to Keenan Allen for a touchdown, yeah, that pass to Josh, like he just makes throws and he makes them look so easy that nobody else, like, I mean, I should, I can't say nobody else, but very few other guys yeah. can make these throws. Two rushing touchdowns on the day. He's mm-hmm. just, he is an incredible talent, man. And you wonder now the, the latest on his hand, that's what you're waiting for to see if it's whatever the finger is. Look, he got it taped up and he stayed in the game, which is a good sign, but how do they want to uh, handle it moving forward? After the game, he brushed it off. He said it's just a, a flesh wound, joking, which I thought it was, like I said, It's either a a laceration, dislocation, whatever it was. Whatever it is, I don't think that it will keep him from playing. Well, good news. Chargers have a bye next week uh, before they go, before they're uh, home against the Dallas Cowboys. So he's got a a little while to to Watching the way that he played and especially making that throw, like with the hand taped up, 
when you have like a whole week to prepare for a game with an injury like that, it's going to look a lot better than the uh, whatever they did on the sideline yeah. in like the one minute that they had to get him uh, prepped. And, you know, he'll practice all week with the glove on his hand. He'll wear a protective, you know, thing, a uh, splint that'll be comfortable for him. Whatever they have to do, they're going to get Justin Herbert ready. And yes, they do have um, the bye next week. How about the Las Vegas Raiders, McKenzie? What are we looking at for their Monday night football game? Here in town against the Green Bay Packers. They're home dogs versus Jordan Love and the Packers. They're a one-point dog. Wow. Says a lot. It does say a lot, doesn't it? Yeah. It says a lot. It's a Monday night football game at home. And Green Bay just shit the bed in primetime, too. Yeah. But you know what? We and and I bet you there's gonna be a ton of Packers fans here. Oh, no doubt. What you know what was crazy? It was a Raiders home game in LA. We knew it was gonna happen, but yeah. I'll be honest, there was a couple crowd situations that threw me today. Like, the the Raiders who didn't have home field advantage last week against Pittsburgh. At home, yeah. And then they're on the road, and they have, have a home massive, field, home, they field have massive home field advantage. Yeah. And then th- at different times in the game last night, the Sunday night game, it was hard to tell if it was a pro Jets or a pro Chiefs crowd. Well, I think those were Swifties. They're very loud. They're powerful force. They those, are a the, the powerful force. All right, the one game we did not talk about from yesterday was the earliest game of the day. And I think that there's was one the... other game you haven't mentioned either, but we can get to that here shortly. What's that? <laughs> the Bills did play the Dolphins. I thought they uh, postponed that game. Yeah. No, they played it. You oh. didn't want to talk about that? Uh, let's get to the Jaguars and <laughs> the Falcons. Trevor Lawrence looked great. I'll tell yeah, you what. Speaking of all questions have been answered. He's bad. Uh, the Jaguars beat the Falcons 23-7 in London. Bijan Robinson is the ultimate weapon. If only the Falcons had a quarterback that could just supplement how good this running back is. Again, I, I look, when you're in a division that's this winnable and you have a roster that has some real talent on it, like Drake London and Bijan Rock, Kyle Pitts, you spent so much in draft, like so much draft capital on these weapon players, and you've got Desmond Ritter playing quarterback. How long can you go before you say, we've got to get someone in here? who can use all these weapons because we're wasting them. We're wasting years of these guys right now. Dan Orvlosky suggested at halftime they should put Taylor Heineke in. He had thrown two of the worst passes of the year, Ritter back-to-back to end the first half. I think I'd upgrade him. I think I'd upgrade the Falcons immediately with Taylor Heineke. I, 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 really I would do. agree. I absolutely would agree. Uh, Trevor Lawrence, 23 of 30, 207 yards and a touchdown. The one touchdown was the 30-yard uh, pass to Calvin Ridley on kind of a broken scramble play. Yeah. Um, I just He didn't have to do much in this game. I mean, he had a couple of nice scrambles. He winds up having uh, 42 rushing yards. But it just it, – it never felt I like mean, the Jaguars were going to lose this game. Once the pick six happened, it took all the pressure off the yeah. Jags' offense. Yep. And they it, started it, kicking field goals. They were fine. Yeah, mm-hmm. everything was good. And by the way, uh, sixth time in NFL history that a player scored a touchdown in the city that they share their last name with, Drake London with the touchdown. Uh, the other examples, there's been – Jimmy San Francisco. There's been two Houston's <laughs> and three Washingtons. Okay, okay. So uh, the first London, London, London score. Wow, and the Jaguars <laughs> stay in London because they will take on the Bills next week. Bills are favored in yeah. London. The Bills are four and a half one favorites, which I don't get. They were off this week, so they are not very impressive. Yeah. But this has moved up <laughs> for some reason, even five in some spots. Bills at a neutral Versus Jacksonville. Is it a neutral? London's the Jaguars home. They are the London Jaguars. Uh, Or how do you say it, AJ? Jaguar. Jaguar. (laughs) It's not a car. It's a Jaguar. Well, let's talk about the game of the week, a potential AFC postseason matchup. Was it the game of the week? 
it going into the week oh, it was. Oh, going into the week. Going into the week. This First was, quarter it was. Yeah. The Bills and the Dolphins. Buffalo came into this game as a small home favorite. Did it ever get to a field goal consensus, McKenzie, or did it stay at two and a half? It stayed in between the two numbers. You could get an expensive three or a cheap two and a half. Yeah. And and there was a lot of question as to why. Because the Dolphins came into this game off of scoring 70 points and looking like machines on offense. A lot of people had the Dolphins higher than the Bills in their power ratings. And they're like, why is it two and a half? Dolphins are better. Maybe not. Fezzik's power rankings going into this week. He wasn't alone. Kevin Cole. There's other people that we can make fun of. Had the Dolphins three, the Bills four. Just a half point different from each other. I think priors have to mean a little bit more. The Bills were by far the highest power rated team last year. Mm-hmm. Disappointed week one in a weird Monday night football game. Well, they, these two teams And played, they've dominated three weeks These two teams played in December. Now, I know December games are a lot different than October games. Yeah. Tua was in uh, that game. Tua was in that game. The Bills were seven-point favorites at home. Yeah, it's a big so adjustment. So there's been a four-point adjustment, hindsight. and it, maybe it was uh, too much of an adjustment. And you're right, McKenzie, in the first quarter, this looked like a game, right? Both offenses go back and forth here. Bills score a touchdown on their opening drive. Dolphins score a touchdown on their opening drive. Bills score a touchdown on their second drive. Dolphins score a touchdown on their second drive. Bills score a touchdown (laughs) on their third drive. Do we get a theme here? It's like USC Colorado all of a sudden. And then, oh, man, the Dolphins punt. They blinked first, and it was over. But But then the Bills punted, so that was okay. That's true. That was one of twice that the Bills punted yesterday. But then the Dolphins punted again. Yeah. And that was it. Because then the Bills, after that drive, when the Dolphins punted, the Bills went touchdown, field goal, not counting the end of the half, field goal, touchdown, touchdown, and then a punt when they're up 48-20. to Yeah. Final score, 48-20. The Bills finish with 414 yards of offense, but the Dolphins had a respectable 393. And Josh Allen throws for four touchdowns and rushes for another as the Bills secure their spot as the number one team in the NFL. I think the 49ers are better, but this is clearly the oh, best. Excuse me, AFC. Yeah, I agree with your point. This is clearly the best win of yes. the season by far. There hasn't been many title fights, and they knocked them out early and often. My question is, how much do we say the Bills offense is elite? And how much are we worried about the Dolphins' defense? They didn't stop them one time. This was this was my handicap. It was. In. I give you credit it's, for that. But both these teams have elite offenses, yeah. and one of these teams. And again, you you can argue with me about wh- whether you think the Bills are top five or, or top ten defensively. And by the way, losing Tre'Davious White looks like for the season. If if the we'll find out today what the what the scans say, but it looks like an Achilles. Terrible news. Yeah, that, that's bad. Um, but. This Dolphins defense has problems, and it wasn't just this week. We uh, yeah. What the Chargers did to them, they could have easily lost that game to the Chargers, and people wouldn't have been going gaga yeah. over them the way that they were. They had one good defensive game against the Patriots, which doesn't look that great right no, now. No, it's like, oh, you stopped Mac Jones. Now, wow. Hear me out. I'm a, I'm very, and Ramon J. Stevenson, that guy. That's true. I'm very curious when we come out with our uh, expected margins. Right. Because I have a feeling – well, I know it's not going to be a 28-point win, but I think it's going to be a lot closer than what you think, AJ. I mean, these number blowouts are never as big of a blowout as they, but, as but they I, seem. But I think, I think that this could actually wind up being like a one-score game. That would shock me. Because Bills had 24 first downs, Dolphins had 20. I mentioned the 414 yards to 393 yards. They both ran the same amount yeah. of plays, 58-56. Time of possession, 29 minutes, 30 minutes. 
the difference in the game, eight penalties for the Dolphins for 98 yards and two turnovers. I think when we come out with our margins here, this is going to be a one score. And there's a third category that's going to be affected by our luck uh, adjustments, which is late down. The uh, Bills were five of 10, no fourth downs. The Dolphins were three of 10, 0 for three and fourth down. And I've, I've had this argument with RJ for over a year now. I think we make too much of an adjustment saying that third down is luck. The Bills were the number one third down team last year. They have a guy that's not going to be tackled by one or two guys. Mm-hmm. He's going to have his head you know, on a swivel, be able to run or pass. I don't think it's a coincidence that they always overperform in this metric. I, I agree with you. It's, and it's, it's like yeah. saying that, that, that the Eagles are lucky on fourth down. Right. No, no that's no. like the extreme example. And it's, it's, I think it's similar with the Josh Allen. But my point is, is that not all wins – are created equal. Not all yeah. losses are created equal. If we remake this line, it's not going to be Bills minus 28. No, 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 no. Of course but not. But I also yeah. think that there should not be an overreaction to the Dolphins getting blown out by the Buffalo Bills. It was a couple of plays. It was a couple of plays that was the difference in this game. Yeah, yeah. No, this is what I mean. I don't mean it's a couple of plays as in the Dolphins should have won this game or anything. No, no, no. They were never, never going to win this game. Their offense is good enough to be in it. Yes. The, they were never going to stop the Bills, though. I'm just they were going to have to win it. 49-40. When our research concludes, I think, and you're going to see Kevin Cole's going to feel the same way. All these guys are going to feel the same way. This was a one-score game. This was a one-score we'll game. We'll see. I'm going to say 10 points. I'm going to say Bills by 7. I'm going to say Bills by 7 is my... Is... <laughs> did you already do the research, McKenzie? I did not. No, I'm, I'm going to say Bills by 7 in this matchup. Uh, we mentioned the Bills who are playing the Jaguars in London next week. The Miami Dolphins will be taking on the New York football Giants at home. Giants haven't played. They're playing tonight on Monday Night Football. But what is the early line right now on that game, McKenzie, down in Florida? Dolphins minus 9.5 at home. Seems like a big number. It does seem like a big number, but also. You know what? I'm going to wait to get the discount on this number. You think the Giants lose? No, I think think it's going to be a discount because I think the Uh, Giants Giants win win tonight. And I think this line moves down because people are going to say the Dolphins just got exposed. The Giants look good. The Giants are going to certainly have the home crowd there in Miami because all the New Yorkers that live down in Florida, and I think the Dolphins blow them out. How many family members do you have that live in Florida that used to live in New York City or Manhattan? Plenty. Yeah, Yeah, plenty. Yeah, the next two games for the Dolphins. You tell me there's no room for the (laughs) the Costanzas and all of the Boca Vista? (laughs) The next two games for the Dolphins, Giants and Panthers, both at home. Those those could get pretty ugly. Yeah, they're going to score fifty plus in both of those games. No, well, maybe who knows? Get right season. But yeah, I. Right. By the way, the Giants, mm-hmm. they're fortunate because they've got back to back road trips at Miami, at Buffalo. That's their next two games. Oh, nice, good for them. <laughs> Thoughts and prayers, defensive coordinator. Yes. Well, the Giants <laughs> will be hosting Monday Night Football tonight. They take on the Seattle Seahawks. What's the latest spread movement, McKenzie? Seattle minus one and a half, minus two in some spots. This has kind of moved from Giants being favored by one and a half to start the week. Yeah, and Saquon Barkley, doubtful. I don't think we see him tonight. No. Daniel Jones, horrific in prime time. Oh. <laughs> he's he's more of a road quarterback. Uh, Geno Smith playing in a stadium that he uh, has some ghosts of, of the past haunting him possibly. And Kenneth Walker might be the best player on the field for both of these teams in this game tonight. Here's a trend you don't hear often. Pete Carroll, and this was a Russie Wilson stat back when he was there, in the Eastern in the Eastern time zone, 28 and 12 ATS. Wow. Generally travel well, the Seattle Seahawks. You think of them as a home team. Yeah. In primetime, 4-1. and one. Mm. Here's what I will say for the uh, the Giants tonight. Like, luckily, it, it feels – Baker Mayfield's kind of the same way, but Daniel Jones feels like when, 
when there's not a lot of pressure generated up front, he can have some success. When there's pressure created, he sucks. Seattle doesn't create a bunch of pressure, so it feels like this is a good spot for Daniel Jones at least to be serviceable. Yeah. I keep talking about how it's hard for anybody to have to respect Daniel Jones when there's no run game behind him. Mm -hmm. Saquon's the most important thing to Daniel Jones' game. Like, if he's not back there, no one respects the run, and then Daniel Jones in in turn doesn't get respect. But So I think that's a big deal. Uh, and it looks like they're they're going to be without Thomas as well, um, which is Thomas, yeah. So that's that's a big blow. I kind of I kind of lean to the dog here, but I think I would honestly I think I would have leaned to the dog either way. I think that the Giants will be able. You mentioned pressure, AJ. I think the Giants will be able to get pressure on Geno Smith. And to me, you know, you mentioned the schedule. How much does that play into Brian Dable's like the the intensity of him coaching being like? They have to win this game or else they're staring at the face of what are they right now? One and two. They lose this game. They're one and three. And then they're probably going to be one and five yeah. before they face the commanders. Like I, I know you can never call. Oh, it's one of my pet peeves. You can never call a game a must win unless it's an elimination game. Right. It's like, it's not a must win. It's season it's technical go on. about this. Yeah. And it's not a must win for all intents and purposes. <laughs> This is a must win for the Giants. It's yeah. a good spot for them. Teams that have a 10-day rest played on Thursday and then play on Monday when they're at home, 14 and 5 ATS and 8 and 1 ATS if they're off a loss. So this is this is a rally the troops game, throw the kitchen sink at them type of game. Yep. And let's remember that the Giants losses have come against the Cowboys and the 49ers and ain't nobody mad at that. Like mm-hmm. you know you, yeah. you're a lot of teams are going to lose to those two squads. And so. by the way, you know, coming from behind and beating the Cardinals, we've seen how, how scrappy the Cardinals yep. are. I mean, oh, well, they let up 28 points to the Cardinals. The Cardinals just, like, put up 16 on the 49ers and potentially could have put up more. Yeah, like it first draft the touchdown. Right? It, there's a, a lot of things that, that could have changed about the the game against the 49ers. The Cardinals are fighters. And if you think back to Seattle's two wins, like, you, one was Carolina with a backup quarterback and a ton of injuries on their mm-hmm. offensive line uh, or uh, on their defensive line, and then they had, like, uh, 20 penalties in that game. Yeah. And then they beat the— a lucky um, game against the Lions. The Lions. Yep. Who, and, by the way, the Lions had a ton of injuries on yeah. defense as well. But that also measured as one of our luckiest wins uh, of the season. So. I, right. I think yeah. you're looking at a team that is maybe a little undervalued in the Giants yep. based on strength of uh, strength of record, strength of schedule, and a team that might be a little overrated ba- uh, based on that as well. With I, the, I with always the like home teams with a little bit of desperation, so uh, I'll take the Giants. I'll bet you this is my fifth pick in the contest, so uh, we're on. Oh wow! Are you laying a point and a half in the contest? It was pick them in the contest, but you're con- you're confident. I think Seattle's a little underrated here. They're fifth in EPA per play entering the week. Uh, they're not. I mean, Geno Smith isn't the sexiest name in the world, but he again, just like last year, has been surprisingly efficient. All right, last second field goal win for the Seahawks. Twenty twenty two twenty one finish. Ah. 21-20 finish. Because I got to bet you have this damn current number, don't I? Dang it. All right. Yeah. yeah. I'm taking the one but and a half. But at least you'll win in the contest. Right. Yeah. I'll take it. Yeah. You win in the contest. <laughs> I win at the one and a half. Works for everybody. I'll gladly pay you $300 so I can <laughs> have one more W. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. How's your social battery right now, AJ? I know sometimes I get drained and it could be easy to ignore 
your social battery and just spread yourself too thin, you know, especially when it comes to social gatherings and maybe just things you're not in the mood for. Well, do you know the right amount of socializing you need to do to keep yourself balanced? Therapy can give you that self-awareness and you can build basically your routine that reflects what you need personally. Everybody's different in this way. That was a big driver for me when I was in therapy. I got a lot out of it, and it's so easy here. Give BetterHelp a try if you've said, I don't want to go out of my way to do this. It's all online. It's as convenient as can be, and it's suited to you. It's simple. Just fill out a brief questionnaire, get matched with a licensed therapist, and you can switch at any time for no additional charge. Find your social sweet spot with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Vegas today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp. H-E-L-P dot com slash Vegas. AJ, it's important to me that the supplements that I take every single day are of the highest quality. And that's why ever since they jumped aboard as a sponsor with us, I've been drinking AG1. Because for AG1, quality isn't just a buzzword. AG1's ingredients are heavily researched for efficacy and quality. And I love that every scoop has prebiotics, probiotics, digestive enzymes for my gut support, B vitamins for energy. It's got the magnesium and ashwagandha for stress support, also testosterone support, vitamin C and zinc to support my immune system. I don't get sick anymore. Well, you're welcome for introducing you to AG1. Yeah, but uh, I mean, this stuff is incredible. And so many people have asked me, are you just reading commercials? No, man. AG1 is actually legit. And there's a reason why I drink it every single day. It just makes taking care of my health so much easier in general. So if you want to replace your multivitamin and more, start with AG1. Try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D3 plus K2 and five free AG1 travel packs with your first subscription at drinkag1.com slash SOV. That's drinkag1.com slash SOV. Check it out. The Major League Baseball postseason is set. Yes, we are into October baseball. I guess we had October baseball yesterday. And uh, those games mattered because the Astros picking up a win yesterday, 8-1 to one over the Diamondbacks, combined with the Texas Rangers losing one nothing to the eliminated Seattle Mariners, gave the Astros the American League West title, AJ. I did not think this was going to happen the way that the Rangers had finished out the season. The Rangers headed into that series against the Mariners needing really two wins, like just like split the series and you win the division. Yep. They lose three of four to Seattle and the Astros handled business against a team in Arizona that was fighting for their postseason seating as well. They swept them. Yeah, and listen, this is uh, there's some controversy about this, but I'm a big believer in this. Don't pop champagne, don't celebrate, don't drink beer. Like we won the championship like ring. You you literally clinched a playoff spot. Save it. You've got one game left. The Rangers apparently had a little post game celebration. Mm. They're saying it only lasted thirty minutes. I don't know, but has champagne ever lasted thirty minutes? Right. Here's the thing. Don't like, I hate the I, I hate that teams celebrate making a wild card anyway. Like I, I'm in in baseball, it's like dude, win your wild card series, and then if you want to celebrate, celebrate because now you're it feels Actually, like you're in the real yeah, playoffs yeah. with the other with the other three playoff teams. So this is a uh, I think that was a mistake by the Rangers, and 
they just looked sleepy today. And grand credit where it's due to the uh, to the Mariners who pitched George Kirby uh, in a game that they didn't really need him to pitch. Like, the Mariners were eliminated. Mm-hmm. They could have just thrown out the B squad the whole the whole time, um, which they eventually did. I think in the seventh inning they took out yep. all their starters. Um, but they they the Mariners fought and the Rangers just didn't bring any bats to the party. Uh, so just a a bad loss for the Rangers at a bad time, but I let's I can't stress enough. I don't like these teams celebrating like they've done something when the job isn't done. Yep, they they still had a, a really important game the next day. You don't go drinking beer uh, and popping champagne when you've got one more game that could win you the division the next game. Well, here are the final standings in the wild card in the American League. The Rays are your top wild card. The Rangers your second wild card. The Blue Jays your third wild card in the National League. Phillies are the top wild card. The Marlins are the second wild card, and the Diamondbacks, your third wild card, despite losing their final four games to end the season. The Diamondbacks hold on and are that final wild card. The Cubs finish one game back. The Padres finish two games back. Damn. The Padres, who finished the season winning 14 of their last 16 games. Oh, they between September and the one game of October, they went twenty and seven. They went twenty and seven down the stretch, and, think about- and they actually won two extra inning games down the stretch when previously they had been zero and twelve. Think about that: fourteen of sixteen, one of them was an extra innings loss, mm-hmm. and, and the, the other one, one was they, they, were, they were up one to nothing and gave up two runs late, and they missed the playoffs by two games. Brutal. Had, imagine they won their last sixteen straight games to make the playoffs. I mean, it would have been incredible. They were eighth in run differential in the whole league. It would. How incredible! I don't think we would have ever seen that. A team win sixteen straight games to make the no, playoffs. No, crazy. And I think the Giants won the pennant with something like that. Yeah, crazy comeback it, in the last month and of the season. They finished nine and twenty-three in one-run games. Bro, that's, a, that's a tough way to go. But finishing the year twenty and seven again, winning fourteen of their last sixteen games. Incredible run by the Padres. I think I've burned money a lot worse than my 50 to one that the Padres were going to be the third wild. Card. That's true. And I got to make sure I bring McKenzie his, uh, his $5. Yes. <laughs> and my $1 that I have to give. I forgot which side yeah. I bet on. Yeah. That. <laughs> so, so, all right. So this, the uh, series are set. The postseason bracket is set. The number one seed in the uh, national league is the Braves. The number one seed in the American league is the Baltimore Orioles. Yes. The Baltimore Orioles. So your one wild card series matchup will be, the five versus the four in the American League, the Texas Rangers at the Tampa Marys. Let me remind people of how the new baseball format works with the extra wild card teams. So the wild card series is a best of three. All three games played Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday are at the site of the higher seeded team. So there's three games all in the same city. Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, to determine who advances to the division series, and then we go best of seven, your normal series. So, wild card series number one. We have Rangers at the Rays. The winner will take on the Baltimore Orioles. Then we have wild card series number two. Twins hosting the Blue Jays, the winner taking on the Houston Astros. In the National League, Phillies hosting the Marlins in the 4-5 matchup. The winner will take on the Atlanta Braves. And the Brewers hosting the Diamondbacks in the 6-3 matchup with the winner going to L.A. 
to take on the Dodgers. Here are your current odds on these postseason series. Odds courtesy of our friends at the DraftKings Sportsbook. The Phillies are a minus 180 favorite over the Miami Marlins. The Brewers, a minus 160 favorite over the Arizona Diamondbacks. The Rays, minus 155 over the Texas Rangers. And the Twins, minus 125 over the Toronto Blue Jays. The Twins, they're favored. They've lost their last 12 playoff games. They've won one out of their last 20. Is that our DraftKings dog of the day? What are we going with here? I mean, what the numbers got well, You would think say. it would be the dog of the week then. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> so the dog of the week would be the Blue Jays plus 105? Kind of feels that way, is right? Is that what you like? I mean, the Twins, all they do is lose playoff series. Yes. Well, we have to determine what the um, pitching matchups are going to look like. But it looks like game one is the Twins minus 115, minus 105 on the Blue Jays on the comeback. Pablo Lopez expected to go game one for the Minnesota Twins. Again, still don't know. We'll find out more as the uh, the day progresses, especially from the Blue Jays side. But it looks like Pablo Lopez game one for the Twins. Sonny Gray game two. Not sure who they would go with game three. For the Blue Jays, though, if you just look at their rotation and the way that it has played out for them at the end of the season – you would expect to see Bassett and then Alec Manoa. It's not going to be Alec <laughs> oh, Manoa, man. but he's looking spelt. Yeah. I, I would say it would be a cut. It's going to be Bassett, Barrios, and Gosman. Just I don't know in what order you're going to have those three guys go in, in the postseason. So I would expect maybe Gosman goes first and then Bassett. So maybe Gosman low. We'll see how they want to schedule that out. As for the Rangers and the Rays, it looks like uh, Tyler Glass now will start uh, Tuesday. Zach Eflin on Wednesday, and not not sure on Thursday. Probably Taj Bradley, or I guess Aaron Savali. They did make a trade for him. Maybe that's the uh, that's that's the way they look. Yeah, we'll see with the way they go. Again, we'll find out more information later on today. Maybe they'll go with an opener. Mm-hmm. No, uh, <laughs> they haven't. Nothing's been decided in the uh, Diamondbacks Brewers series yet for their pitching matchups. Um, and then we have the Marlins Phillies. It looks like it'll be Zach Wheeler, Jesus Lazardo. Possibly on Tuesday, Aaron Nola, Braxton Garrett on Wednesday is what I'm probably seeing. You know it's going to be uh, Wheeler and uh, Nola for the first two games for the Philadelphia Phillies. And Wheeler against Lazardo on Tuesday. Wheeler and the Phillies minus 166. So the heaviest favorite on the board is the Philadelphia Phillies. Your uh, odds to win it all. The Braves are your favorite. Plus 320. Dodgers plus 425. Astros plus 450, Orioles plus 650, Rays 10 to 1, Phillies 13 to 1, Blue Jays 17 to 1, Rangers 18 to 1, Twins 18 to 1, Brewers 19 to 1, Marlins 28 to 1, Diamondbacks 30 to 1. Where's the value, Scott? I was going to ask you guys, do you have a pick right now? Either of you have a pick? I'm going to go the Tampa Bay Rays 10 to 1. Mm. Tampa Rays 10 to 1. I like the number. I was kind of leaning to them too. I feel like it's going to either be the Dodgers or the Phillies. Phillies or the Dodgers. I think the Phillies can go back. It wouldn't shock me. It wouldn't shock me. I love the way they played at the end of the season. Um, They have the pitching to get it done. They have the bullpen to get it done. I wouldn't be surprised if if the Phillies do make a run here. Um, I think getting the Braves in the second round actually helps them. It's a team that they're familiar with. Dodgers Dodgers are the Dodgers, and I feel like they're going to Dodger. They might not have enough pitching. 
I, I, I wonder if they're, they're going to look at some point and be like, man, I really wish we would have ramped Walker Bueller up for this, this run. Mm. Like, it would have been really nice to have an ace-type arm down the stretch. Yeah, I, I just I, I think because the two best teams are in the National League, that you're better off picking a team from the American League if you're looking at, like, from a value play perspective. Like, McKenzie, I think your head's in, in the right spot by looking at the Tampa Bay Rays at 10-1 to 1 because it's just going to be – you're going to have to pull upsets no matter who you face, if you face the Dodgers or the Braves. And then if you beat one of those teams, you're going to have to face the other one. So it's a tougher road because the two best teams are the Dodgers and the Braves. I think that, as you know, the Orioles had a great record this year. I think the Orioles are beatable. Uh, the Astros are the Astros. They have the experience. I think you're better off taking a flyer on, you know, some of these teams. You know, maybe maybe the Astros just because of the experience factor. But I think you're better off looking at some of these American League teams. The Rays at ten to one, the Blue Jays at seventeen to one. Why, why is I, nobody talking about the Orioles? They're the best team in the league. They were I, supposed to win what, like forty five games or something. I, I guess it's a young team, but like we saw the young Braves winning with a young core. Expectation. I know. We I saw know. the Astros win it with a young core their first time. Like this, it, that's how it works. Just, it's like I've been, I've always been waiting for this other shoe to fall with the yeah. with the Baltimore Orioles, and it just hasn't. I also think John Means pitching in the postseason is just big for them. It gives them such a it gives gives them an added arm. I mean, they don't have their closer anymore in Bautista, but Yenier Cano has been great, so it doesn't matter. But I guess you're right. I guess I've just been waiting. Like it's it's one thing to win in the regular season, but it's another thing when the when the lights are on and the pressure's on in the postseason. And if you haven't been there before, you don't. I don't know how they're going to handle it. Now, if I see them take on the uh, the Rangers, or the Rays, and that ALDS, and and win their first two games, and everything's great, and then go on the road and win a game, I'll think differently about them. But if you told me Astros, Orioles, ALCS, who would I take? Astros. The Astros. You like the experience. Yes. It's fair. And especially with the guys they've that got I'm a ju- They've got Justin Verlander exactly. and the other team does. Yes. A little basketball news to talk today. Yep, as... Draymond Green's going to miss four to six weeks. Yeah, that huge, wasn't huge. what I was thinking. I'm but... telling you right now, Suns plus one and a half is value there. All right. Okay. All right, next next topic. Yep. Next We're topic. The, NBA. the Blazers, <laughs> we talked about last week when they made the Lillard deal. We discussed the idea that Drew Holiday doesn't really fit their timeline. Yep. So Drew Holiday has been moved, uh, and he has been moved to the Boston Celtics. Whoa! Celtics send Robert Williams, the Time Lord, and Malcolm Brogdon, who also doesn't really fit their timeline, which we'll discuss that later. Uh, they get a 2024 first-rounder and a 2029 first-rounder. Uh, the 24 pick from Golden State, the 29 one from, uh, I, I guess that's the the Celtics' own pick. But how does this affect the 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 arms race in the Eastern Conference? It's massive. It's absolutely massive. And I was very hard on the Celtics when Dame Lillard went to the Bucks, and the Celtics lost their title favorites positioning. I just looked at looked at the matchup and I said Tatum and Brown versus Giannis and Lillard. Give me Giannis and Lillard every time. It's not a fair fight. Well, now it is. It absolutely is. It reminds me of the Dumb and Dumber scene where it's like just when I think it couldn't be any dumber. <laughs> You do this one thing and totally redeem yourself. When you put all these moves, to get, moves together, it makes sense. They got rid of Smart, Brogdon, and Williams, and they have Borzingis and Drew Holiday. Much better offensively, much better defensively. Drew Holiday's going to have a chip on his shoulder playing the Bucks. I feel like this is the best Boston team that they had. They, I think they've solved the problem of not having a real point guard. I think Drew Holiday solves that problem. Well, you said better defensively, and certainly they are in the backcourt. Yeah, Robert Williams is a, a big force for them and has been over the last couple years. Right, like it's not, and that's not a guy you can really replace what he's doing. 
Yeah, and they also lost Grant Williams, who was a, a quasi Giannis defender. So that's a that's a huge question mark. That's their number one target. How are they going to solve that hole? And I don't know. But I do know that Drew Holiday, play in, playoff in and out, has been one of the more consistent players, even if it's not on the offensive side of the ball. The whole package, as far as bringing intensity in the biggest moments of the – I'm a big Drew Holiday fan. I think he's criminally underrated, and I think they've gotten a lot better, even losing someone like Time Lord. So here's now what the Blazers have hauled in for Dame Lillard. DeAndre Ayton. Yeah, good job not accepting the Miami offer. Yeah, DeAndre Ayton, uh, Time Lord, Malcolm Brogdon, first-round picks in 2024, two first-round picks in 2029, and two pick swaps in 28 and 30. That's not, and they may not be done because, like I said, Malcolm yeah. Brogdon. When you've got Shadon Sharp and Scoot Henderson yep. and Anthony Simons, you don't. Re- he doesn't really fit what they're doing either. And Malcolm Brogdon's a guy that a contender could look at and go, "Man, this guy could help us out." Yeah, six man of the year, solid defensive player, very efficient. There's no contender that couldn't use him on their team. We, we talked about how the the era of the huge NBA trade was over with Gobert and Donovan Mitchell. This is actually a bigger haul than either of those guys. They just did it in several steps. And they were going to take a very, very reduced offer for Miami because no one else was going to trade for Dame. Good on them. They waited it out, and they got a lot better off for it. Yeah, this is this is really. I mean, if you if you told me this is the kind of stuff they could get for him, I I would have said, hey, you make. Sometimes you got to move on, and it was pretty clear that Dame wanted out anyway. Yeah. So when it, like rarely when a guy says, I want out, can you get this kind of a right. haul? It, it, great job by the Blazers. And whenever there's a period of time where there's uncertainty, it's. Always going to be finger pointing and like, oh, I guess the relationship's tenuous. Really, Dame did well by the Blazers, and the Blazers did well by Dame, and they're both in better spots now. Dame can say, "Well, I only want to be in Miami." If Dame's not happy in Milwaukee, then winning doesn't matter. No, and and he's he's I mean he's expressed he's thrilled to be on a championship. I I think I figured that would be like had they sent him to the you know I don't want to say the Kings I guess the Kings aren't Siberia anymore. (laughs) Yeah, but had had they sent him to the Hornets, you'd be like, ooh, okay. No, it would be like like you mistreated your number one guy for the last decade now it's like you moved on new era everybody possibility everybody got treated fairly here in my opinion so i'm on the Celtics to win the title i'm on the blazers to win the (laughs) title 250 to one let's go i said the bucks were by far my title favorites i thought no one other could no one else can contend i've done a complete 180 i think i would have boston minus 120 on a neutral right now in a series and like no one's talking about phoenix Right, I mean, they have the, they have three top twenty players. This is gonna be a crazy. And it, Golden State's one of those teams. And, like, and here's who another knows? thing: with the way that dominoes have fallen, with the Suns getting all their talent, with the Bucks getting all their talent, with the Celtics getting all their talent. If everybody stays healthy, and Jokic does what he did last year, which is just be the best player in every series without another All Star, thirty, ten, and ten, and he wins a championship, we're gonna have to have a different conversation about Jokic. Not necessarily just being the best player in the game right now, but doing something, having a run that we've really never seen in the history of basketball. If he can beat these mega teams with everybody healthy, mm-hmm. we'll, we'll see if it's that happens. It's wild. Like, I mean, what's fun about this is there's like, it feels like there's eight teams or yeah. so you can make a decent argument for. I think for. there's more teams now than there than there has been in the past couple yeah. of seasons. And like, I think the last couple of days have changed that. I yeah. think there's the Boston, Denver, mm. Milwaukee, and Phoenix. I don't see anybody else that can match them talent for talent. Not the Lakers, not the Warriors without, you know, some additions, but maybe I'm wrong. I mean, those those teams will make that case. Yeah, that's what that's the guys I was thinking of. But I mean, maybe you're right. Maybe they are a little further further back from the pack now. And listen, Miami made it a long way last year with right. with the guys <laughs> that they've got. Like it's it's hard to keep doubting them. Not like they were ever like that close to winning the title, but they did get to the finals. They knocked out a lot of teams that thought they were close exactly. To the and we still have no idea what's going on in Philadelphia. Right, like which is a total wild card because 
Joel Embiid is still a really, really good player. Reigning MVP. And if he's paired with James Harden and something else potentially, that's a dangerous team. Uh, if if that doesn't work out, who knows? I mean, there's ripples down the line on some other team if James Harden goes somewhere. So Hey, remember when the Knicks were supposed to get Donovan Mitchell? I remember that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was yeah. fun. All right, guys, head on over to pregame.com. You can take advantage of the coupon offers we have for you to jump on board a daily best bet package of your choosing and take 20% off your purchase using the promo code PUSH20 or WEST20. We have two promo codes. Use one if you've already used the other. PUSH20 or WEST20. Yeah, like the the brotherly shove. Yeah, the brotherly push. 20, West 20. That's going to get you 20% off at pregame.com. Use that towards anything you would like to purchase on the website. For Mackenzie Rivers and A.J. Hoffman, I'm Scott Seidenberg. A Major League Baseball postseason preview pod is coming out later on today with myself and former big league pitcher Josh Towers. So be on the lookout. That will be on the Straight Out of Vegas podcast feed. So you don't want to miss that. I'm Scott Seidenberg. We are Straight Out of Vegas. Come on.